I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, and she has her great colleague here again with her today. I'll let her do the introductions. Thank you, Patty. Yes, we're really happy to have Dayton Aldridge back with us again. Dayton is the restitution specialist here at the District Attorney's Office. He makes sure that victims of violent crime get restitution for their expenses that they've had to incur as a result of the criminal activity. So a very important person in our office and still interested in Scam Squad and looking for information to share with us. So we're very grateful to have Dayton back. And he's going to start off today. He has a couple of things he's going to cover for us. But he's going to start off today with one of our classics. And that's what we are calling some of these scams that have been around forever and just refuse to go away. So Dayton, tell us what's happening. So this is one that I found recently that was posted by a senior man in Santa Barbara on the Nextdoor app. And before I get too far into the story, I just want to start with introducing the Nextdoor app. As I would say, one of the few and far between safe social media sites uh, for people to join and take part in. Um, They do a lot of identity verification so that only the people who actually live in a certain neighborhood are allowed to post comments and stories to this app. So this was a local Santa Barbara man who posted this story, and I'll just read it for you. It's titled Phone Scammers. Hey, gang, Barry here to drop a little world of warning about scammers these days. Let me tell you, Friday morning, I'm standing in the yard eating my cheesy pita from the evening before when I get a call on my phone. Now, I make a policy to always answer the phone since I missed a call from Pete Sampras back in 97. So I finish my bite and pick up the phone. And wouldn't you know it, I get a call that my nephew is in county jail after trying to fight a police force, which caught me off guard since I thought he was going off to the kids world to do a TikTok video. So I sent in the bail money because, you know, even old bar has a fight here and there with a couple of police horses back in his day. And not three minutes later, do I see my nephew covered in what I'm hoping was barbecue sauce, hop off the bus at, near our house. He walks into our yard. I offer him a bite of my cheesy pita and ask why he's not in jail. The cut to three hours later, he's teaching me how to buy my own identity back off the dark web and I'm out four grand. Long story short, gang, you never know what the day has in store for you. Happy Wednesday from Barry. So Barry's quite the writer, isn't he? Quite the writer. And I thought this was a a lighthearted kind of reminder that this Mm -hmm. scam is very much still out there. With the prevalence of social media, it's really easy for a scammer to find grandkids or children and then go after the parents or the grandparents to try to take advantage of them. Thankfully, it sounds like Barry, after falling victim to this, wanted to let the community know that this is going on. So we're able to share it with you. But this is still out there. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, $4,000 gone is still nothing to sneeze at. That's upsetting. I'm glad he's so lighthearted about it and can see the bigger picture. And he wrote it in such a great fashion that it really tells the story. But it could have been devastating depending on the person's circumstances. Yeah. And that's why having an app like this and having access to it is a great tool that our community can use because 
there's a lot of other people that read this post who are going to be much more wary of engaging with the grandparent scammers over the phone. So it's a great tool to kind of get the, the pulse on your local neighborhood and what scams are going on locally. Absolutely. So thank you, David, for sharing that. Next up, we know that lots of seniors use Venmo, and Dayton has some important information about the use of Venmo, but I'd like for him to start by telling us what it is and then what we need to know about the use of Venmo, Dayton. Yeah, so Venmo is an app, and it's an app that allows two parties to send money back and forth to each other. This can be used for businesses use Venmo, that you can pay for your goods and services by going onto your app linking it to your bank account, and then being able to send money directly to the person. And honestly, if used properly and safely, it's a great app. It's very secure. And I do recommend it to everyone, especially seniors. I would say it's much more safe to properly use Venmo to send your grandchild maybe a a gift for his birthday or her birthday, some cash over Venmo than it would be to write a check and put it in the mail. Venmo would be much safer. However, there are some concerns about Venmo. The primary concern is, unfortunately, Venmo's privacy policies that they start you off with are not very private. Basically, they show all of your transactions and a history of all of your transactions, everyone you've sent money to, receive money from, how much and what it was for. That's kind of scary because we wouldn't want you know, my bank account information. I wouldn't want everyone to know everything I've right. ever bought, every yeah. person I've ever sent money to. So that's concerning. There's an easy way to fix this, which is if you open up your Venmo app and you look at the three horizontal lines on the right top-hand corner of the app, and you go to settings and then privacy, and then turn your settings to private. And then while you're right there, you can drop down and it says friends list. And then you want to set that as private as well. And Patty, let me tell you the reason why, why this is relevant today is because a couple months after our current president was elected, someone tried to do some research on Biden and was able to find essentially what they're calling Biden's hidden Venmo account. Really? Yes. For whatever wow. reason... He thought that he had made it private and it wasn't. You can't find it now because it now it is private and it's been taken down. But for a period of time, a couple months after he was elected, all of his transactional history was public for anyone to see. There's obviously a bunch of security concerns around that we don't need to go too far into. But Venmo is great. Just make sure you're using it privately. Right. And I always wondered because I have used Venmo here and there, and I always wondered why people don't have it private. So-and-so paid so-and-so this. And you're like, oh, I wonder if they went out to dinner together. It's just like it goes on and on and on the list. Yeah. And you could like most people don't keep it private. Yeah. And you could build a dossier or a profile on someone based off of when they're spending money, how much they're they're spending. Um, So we definitely want to make sure that is private. So true confessions here. This is not a problem for me because, of course, whenever I've tried to use Venmo, it hasn't worked for me. I've never been able to get far enough into the app to see all of the history that they oh. were talking about. But had I gotten into the app and were I able to see that, I would have found that very alarming. Is it better or worse than PayPal or Zelly? Is uh, one app I, better than another? Zelle would probably be the best. Any of the ones that are purely bank to bank. Zelle is, for instance, Bank of America's version of this, where if party A has Bank of America and party B have Bank of America, 
They can mm-hmm. use a Zelle app that's very secure. Venmo, pretty sure it's the same company as PayPal. It's just as secure. If you're okay. using it properly and securely, it is safe and secure. Venmo is really great. One of the great features they have is that you have to create either a photo or an avatar for yourself. So when you're going to send money to someone, you can say, oh, I think I found you on Venmo. Are you the pink kitty next to an elephant? And the person will say, no, I am the tractor truck. And they, oh, I guess I got <laughs> the wrong person. I'm not going to send the money to them. So yeah. it's actually a relatively secure way to make sure you are dealing with the true person. And it is a safe way to send money. Yeah, you will like it once you get into it, Vicki. It's really pretty cool because it's just like instant. I mean, the younger people use it a lot if they go out to dinner together and they want to pay their share. And just while they're sitting there, they just send it off oh. and choom, you know, it's just really? paid. Okay, well. You don't have to find the cash or fumble with it or send somebody a little check. Or if your office is getting a gift together for the boss or anyone, they might have all the employees contribute. So it is really nice and easy. I think it's a very cool invention all these new apps. But thank you for warning us about the security. I I always wondered, why do I have to see who paid who all this stuff? I thought it was rather strange. So maybe they don't know about the privacy or they don't care. I don't know which. Well, maybe the next time our office has occasion to use a Venmo, which we have, Mm-hmm. I'll have Dave show me how it's done. Yeah, you'll find it very simple, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. it seems like the people that I work with, some prefer, I guess I pronounced it wrong, Zelle, or some prefer PayPal, or some prefer Venmo. So you kind of have to know them all depending on who wants you to send them money. <laughs> Finally, Dayton is going to talk to us about consumer data and some important information that we need to know and some important legislation that we need to know about. Yes, thank you, Vicki. I'm going to start off by talking about Vizio, which is a TV producer. It's the main, I would say, backbone of Costco's line of TVs that are relatively inexpensive, good quality TVs that you can find at Costco. They have all sorts of sizes. Vizio released their numbers to their stockholders recently this year. And some tech people did some digging through these numbers and realized that for the first time last year, Vizio, the company, actually made more money selling its consumers' data and the viewing habits of the customers than it made from selling TVs. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it, to think about that? So that kind of puts it into perspective as far as just how valuable our information is to these companies. It's even more valuable than the product they're selling. This reminds me of kind of an adage that I'd like all the viewers to remember, which is if the service is free or the price is too good to be true, you are the product. These companies make money hand over fist by selling your personal data to anyone and everyone who wants to buy it, including criminals, scammers, and the government. This is an intro to just get us aware of how valuable this data is and the type of parties that want for whatever reason. Which brings me to a great thing that we have in California, which went into act January 1st, 2020, which is the California Consumer Privacy Act. So the California Consumer Privacy Act is a law that stems from California State Senate Bill 1121, along with Prop 24, which Californians voted on back in 2019. And this went into effect January 1st, 2020. And the intentions of the California Consumer Privacy Act are to allow Californians to be in control of their own online data. 
And what the act intends to do is to allow Californians to know what data is being collected about them, to know if that data is being sold or disclosed, to opt out of the sale or disclosure of that data, to request their data from the company, and also to request the company delete their data. These are some great tools that all Californians have to really kind of rein in our own data and to protect our own information. So let me give you an example. I used to have a Jeep a couple of years ago. I was signed up for all the Jeep forums and all the Jeep trips and all the Jeep websites and write a lot of information. I don't have that Jeep anymore. All those companies and all those websites don't need to have all of my data anymore. So I can go to those websites or whatever service I use and send them an email and ask them to invoke my rights as a California citizen to remove and delete my data. And all the companies so far are doing this. There's pretty severe consequences if they do not follow up your request. And the California Consumer Privacy Act applies to all businesses which collect consumers' personal data, which does business in California, with a gross revenue of more than $25 million. So essentially, any large company that's doing business in California falls under this law, which is pretty much every company that you know we interact with. So the bottom line is, if you're a California resident, you have the right to know what personal information is being collected about you and who is sharing it, selling it, and who can see it. And you'll also be able to tell the business to stop using this data. There will also be a link now on most websites if they do business in California, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the website, you'll see a link for the California Consumer Privacy Act. And you actually go through their website to request that they share with you the data they have on you, stop selling your data, or delete your data. Wow. That is so good <laughs> to know. I know that's really important information. Circling back to like Vizio. Do they get your information when you register your product? Is that a trick sometimes? So for the Vizio story, they were collecting customers' registration data and selling it. But also they had electronics in the TV that as soon as it was connected to an internet signal, which all of these TVs are nowadays because everyone's using some form of a smartphone, they were actually sending the data straight back to Vizio. Vizio could see what you were watching what times you are watching TV. Mm-hmm. That type of information is very valuable to all advertisers, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's information that we as a consumer should be in control of. And yeah. if we want our data to be used for advertisers, great. But for most of us that don't, this is a great tool to kind of rein that back in. Yeah. Is California unique in having this law? Do you know if other states have so, it as well? So there are some states on the East Coast that have this. But I would say California is not unique because this is what most of Europe looks like. Most of Europe has laws like this already in place that the big companies like Google, Facebook, the big ones already have to comply with to do business in those countries. So hopefully this will become more and more normalized and will be a nationwide legislation eventually. Boy, Dayton, you always bring us such good information. I had no idea. I always say this. I had no idea when you come on. That's really interesting. How do they get this information? So I didn't even think about, of course, we all have smart TVs these days. And once you log in, they've got you. So it's good to know that we can put a stop to it. It is. Once again, I had no idea. I was not alone. (laughs) It's a good thing Dayton digs into all of this stuff so that... uh, you can keep us informed. It's so That's valuable. Right. So valuable. That's right. Yeah. Very valuable. Thank you. 
I do have one very short, quick piece of good news. As you know, I have my fraud hotline and I give the number at the end of the show. Often I get a phone call on my fraud hotline from somebody who has been scammed, sadly enough. And as we know, there's very little we can do about most of these scams because they're coming from out of our jurisdiction, usually from another country. So once the money's gone, it's gone. Well, in this case, an elderly couple got a phone call telling them that they had won $6 million cash. And there were just a few hoops that they had to jump through to get their cash reward. Thankfully, they knew to call me and run this by me. And they were pretty certain it was a scam. I mean, they were pretty convinced. So they weren't exactly tempted. But there's always that little bit of what if this were really true and I'm missing out on this wonderful opportunity to make my life ever so much better or the life of my grandkids. So they called just in an abundance of caution, and I was able to congratulate them for spotting a scam, for not being victimized by it. So all's well that ends well. I thought that was a good story. It is a very good story, and I'm so glad that they did call you, mm-hmm. and I understand their temptation. That's a lot of money, and wouldn't it yeah. be nice? But uh, <laughs> yeah, usually, but it, it, to be true, it usually is. You know, and often the award amounts are so huge, you know, 200 million, that you think, hmm, but 6 million sounds a little bit more reasonable. Like maybe that's a possibility. Maybe. Mm -hmm. So these scammers are getting very clever in their approach to people. And I do want to let everybody know about the fraud hotline and invite people to call if they have any questions. It is area code 805-568. So I'll say that again, 805-568-2442. And please call with any questions or stories or anything that you think I should know about what's going on in our community. Thank you, Vicki. And thank you, Dayton. It was really a wonderful show and great information. Thanks, Patty. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.